0: I want to set the stage. We're going to be in John chapter 20. We'll start in verse 19. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn. But let me just set the stage for what's happening in Scripture. Uh, The disciples have essentially locked themselves into a room where they're meeting. It's Sunday evening. The text will tell us this. So Jesus rose again that morning. We know that. They don't. And uh, I want you to think about this. They've locked themselves in this room because they're afraid that the Jewish leaders will potentially find them arrest them, or maybe even execute them. That would be normal for today's time. So they've locked themselves in this room. Few things to consider. Mary Magdalene, Peter, and another disciple have already seen the empty tomb, and they went there. In fact, Jesus appears to Mary and says, I want you to go tell the disciples, go tell my friends that I'm alive, that I'm back, and I'm here, and she does. So they're locked into this room, yet Mary is telling them that, she, that uh, Jesus is alive, Another thing, Matthew 28 will tell us that the disciples are currently being blamed for stealing the body of Jesus, right? So the Roman uh, guards that were guarding the tomb went to the Jewish leaders and said, hey, I don't know what to tell you, but Jesus isn't there, he's gone. And the Jews paid the Romans and said, I need you to go start telling people that the disciples came while you were sleeping and stole his body. Because we don't want people to think he actually performed this miracle. So they're locked in this room Mary's telling them that he's alive, yet they're being blamed for stealing his body. So it's a, it's a very intense and itch- interesting situation. Last thing, most of the disciples did not go to Jesus' trial. They didn't go to his uh, torture or his execution where he was murdered on the cross. The most time the majority of the disciples saw Jesus was on Friday. Remember, it's Sunday evening where they've locked themselves in this room we can kind of speculate that most of them have probably been hiding for the last few days. It would have made sense culturally, right? And so we pick up in John chapter 20, verse 19. And as we read the text, I would love for you to feel it with me. I'm a feeler, so it's so easy for me to do this. My wife is a logical thinker. She compartmentalizes things. I'm actually jealous of it. I'm the guy in the movies that's crying because Dory's on her way home counting the seashells and her parents are about to find her and Pixar just like rips my heart into It's easy for me to feel this, but something unique happens when we step into the shoes of the disciples, we look around and we feel what it would have been like. Rather than reading the text and just observing it, I invite you this morning to really, really feel it with me. So John chapter 20, verse 19, this is what it reads. It says, That evening, the disciples gathered together, and because they were afraid of reprisals from the Jewish leaders, they had locked the doors to the place where they met. Let me pause for a second. Can you just imagine with me the conversation that was going on in this room? Scripture doesn't tell us this, but think about it with me. We know kind of what's been happening and what they've done. Were they blaming one another? Like Bartholomew, did you steal his body? Like, just tell us. Mary says he's alive. And did we defend Jesus well enough? I mean, Peter drew his sword. Should we have? And where's Judas? I mean, the conversation must have been just crazy. Or or was it dead quiet? Was it awkward? Were they in shock from the last few days? Their friend had just been murdered and quiet down because we don't want people to hear us. We're locked in here. I mean, whatever was going on, whether it was loud and crazy or super quiet and awkward, we know it just probably did not feel good in this room. And we continue reading. It says this, but suddenly Jesus appeared among them and he said, peace to you. It's a very normal cultural greeting for that time, as if I walked into a room today and said, hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? Jesus walks into this room. He says, peace to you. In verse 20, it says, then he showed them the wounds of his hands and his side, and they were overjoyed to see the Lord with their own eyes. I'm wondering if, if Jesus is maybe modeling something for us in this story. I'm wondering if Jesus is, is maybe saying, hey, the hurt and pain and really tough things that you've experienced in your past can actually bring relief, truth, and healing to people today. Think about it for a second. His physical wounds were bringing joy to the disciples. It, it overjoyed them. The room in the beginning must have felt horrific. And I'm wondering, have we ever considered that people around us are waiting for us to just share our story with them, to be vulnerable enough to come before them and share our story. We'll come back to that. Let's keep reading. Verse 21. It says, Jesus repeated his greeting, peace to you. And he told them, just as the Father has sent me, I'm now sending you. And then taking a deep breath, he blew on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Something really unique is is happening here in this story. This word for breath, I want to look at it in the Greek. It's emphyseo. And it means to blow or breathe upon. We only see this happen two times in scripture. Once in the Old Testament and once in the New Testament. In Genesis 2-7, God is holding Adam, this lifeless body, and he physically breathes into Adam. Adam receives breath for the first time for humanity. That's one time we see it. And then we see it once in John 20, where Jesus physically breathes out on the disciples. I want you to understand something unique is happening here. Jesus is expressing himself in a very interesting way. In Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit comes, it's a different word. The spirit breath wind, it's it's different than this. This is the physical breath. And I want us to remember something really simple. It's essential for you and I in life to breathe in and breathe out. We have to, to survive. But sometimes, think about this. If you breathe in and you just hold your breath and fill yourself And you don't exhale, you can become really bloated. And sometimes if all you do is exhale, you you can become really winded and tired. And Jesus is going to teach us in the story this perfect balance, this rhythm of what it looks like to receive something and then how to respond to it and breathe out. Because it matters to us how we respond to the breath of God. Let's keep reading. Verse 23. Verse 23. He said, I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins, and people's sins will be forgiven. But if you don't proclaim the forgiveness of their sins, they will remain guilty. I want to look at a couple of words in this verse. This word preach and this word forgiveness, if we unpack it, it helps us understand what Jesus was really really saying. So preach in the Greek is kariso. It's properly to herald, proclaim, to preach, announce a message publicly, and with conviction or persuasion. Can I be honest with us? I think this has little to do with church on Sunday morning. I don't think Jesus breathed into disciples and then said, hey, I'm sending you now to preach publicly with persuasion for a few hours on one morning, pick a time, and do that. In fact, statistics would say that in Fort Collins, Colorado, less than 25% of the population attends church on a weekly basis. I'm not saying you have to attend church to be a believer. What I'm suggesting is if, if this is the only place that we choose to exhale, to give our life away, to share life with people, to proclaim that what he did on the cross provides forgiveness, there's 75% of a group that's not being hit. I think there's a, a bigger picture. And then this word forgiveness that he says, I send you to preach the forgiveness of sins. And the Greek is aphesis. It's properly Forgiveness something sent away, remission, releasing someone from obligation or debt. Culturally, this actually doesn't fit for Jesus to be saying to his disciples. It's weird for him to say, hey, I'm, I'm sending you publicly now. Go tell people that I forgive them. See, remember, they're under Roman occupation right now, a very harsh time to live in, right? The human life value was, was very low. Things were taken at the sword all the time. In fact, their friend had just been murdered for something, and it would have made sense actually for Jesus to say, hey, uh, I literally went to hell and back. I took the keys and now I'm, I'm, I'm gonna do what I've come here to do. Heaven's armies are gonna flood the earth and we're gonna take back what was stolen from us. That would have made sense. In fact, they had heard about a Messiah that would come and lead them and, and take back things that were stolen and they had heard about this. And Jesus's instruction was, I actually want you to go tell people that I forgive them. He almost puts this accountability in front of them as well. He says, but if, if you don't proclaim the forgiveness of their sins, they will remain guilty. I just want to think about the weight of that statement that Jesus says for just a moment. They'll remain guilty. They'll never get to experience what we've experienced. Have you? Have we considered that there's people that you're doing life with today that are relying on on what you do with this beautiful expression of God. How you respond to his breath for other people matters. They're relying on what we do with our relationship, with the presence that we're experiencing, with the scripture that we read. People around us are relying on how we respond. And Jesus said, if you don't, they'll remain guilty. And that was his instruction, to go share life with people. Let's keep reading through the story. Verse 24. You guys still with me? Are we good? Okay. Verse 24. It says, One of the twelve wasn't present when Jesus appeared to them. It was Thomas, whose nickname was the twin. So the disciples informed him, We have seen the Lord with our own eyes. Still unconvinced, Thomas replied, there is no way I'm going to believe this unless I personally see the wounds of the nails in his hands, touch them with my finger, and put my hand into the wound of his side where he was pierced. I want pause for a moment. I don't want to pretend like I wouldn't be like Thomas in this story. I usually read this story and I'm like, really, Thomas? You came back to the room. They must have been freaking out. Like, hey, he's alive. We touched his, I mean, he's real. We, he's physical. He's not dead anymore. And Thomas goes, sure, right. I'll believe it when I see it. I, I need to see that with my own eyes. I want, I've never considered this until this morning, actually. Luke will describe the time where Jesus is being crucified. And Jesus' prayer on the cross, if you remember, was, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They just don't know what they're doing. And what's interesting is days later, Jesus would have this physical proof of forgiveness that he shows to Thomas. And we'll continue reading verse 26. It says, then eight days later... Thomas and all the others were in the house together, and even though all the doors were locked, Jesus suddenly stood before them. Peace to you, he said. The story highlights Thomas. It's a beautiful story. I read it every year. It's very inspiring, but I want to highlight something different. I want to look at it from a different angle if we would. Remember, the disciples had just experienced one of the most unique expressions that God has chosen to show to humanity, his physical breath. And then Jesus gives them clear instruction. Hey, I'm sending you out publicly to preach with conviction and tell people that what I've done provides forgiveness. And the text says, eight days later, the disciples are in the same spot that Jesus found them earlier, breathed upon them, and gave them instruction. They're locked up in fear from the world around them. I think if we're not careful as a family, as believers, as a community we can fill up with this unique expression of God. It's happening today. God is moving. He is here. He is healing people. There is signs and evidence that he's really moving. He is speaking. And I think it's possible, if we're not careful, to fill ourselves up so full and then on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, be silent and locked up in fear from the world around us. This is what has challenged me as a believer. Can I remind us that the breath of God, the Holy Spirit inside of you, was never intended to be hoarded for yourself. We've made Christianity such an internal private relationship in Western culture. And I'm not against, I need you to hear me. I spend time with the Lord in the morning by myself. I love it. It's a biblical principle to spend time with the Lord by yourself. Jesus did it. When he walked the earth, he would constantly break away from people and he would spend time with the Father and fill up. But what do we see Jesus do every time he went privately? He came back publicly and shared life with people. Could I suggest that our private life, our secret time with the Lord, must inform our public relationship with people? It has to. I think when all all we do is spend time in the secret place and fill up And become fuller with good things. Hear me, these are good things. We have to be doing this. Spending time in scripture with the Lord by yourself is wonderful. We have to. But if this is all we do and we fill up and we become fuller and fuller, we actually become spiritually obese Christians and the people around us suffer because of it. That's what Jesus told his friends man, if you don't do anything with this breath that I just gave you, if you don't proclaim, if you don't tell people that I came to forgive them, they will never get to experience it. Oh, I've never looked at my relationship with the Lord the same. It's not just about me and him anymore, but when I get something beautiful, when I get to experience his presence, I actually get to go give it away and tell people. What if we use this idea of inhaling and exhaling as just as an indicator rather than like a judgment of you should feel bad if you're full? That's not what I'm, I'm saying, but what if it's just an indicator? Let me give you an example. Do you feel really healthy right now? Do you feel full like you've spent good time with the Lord? It's a good year. You're, you're in scripture and he's, he's, he's moving. He's healed you. There's some deliverance and you feel full. But do you feel really bored? You feel like I don't have a purpose. I just, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Have you considered that that's maybe an indicator that it's time to exhale, to share life with people, to be vulnerable, and to share your faith? Maybe just an indicator. Let me give you another one. Are you really tired? I can relate with that one. Do you work and work and work and work and work and you find yourself exhausted all the time and you do share life with people, but you're just really tired. What if that's just an indicator that it's time to go to the secret place, it's time to fill up with the Lord, it's time to read scripture and be rejuvenated so that you can go out and share life and exhale with other people. Maybe we just use them as, as indicators instead. I think that exhaling, sharing life with people, being vulnerable, sharing your faith is really exposing. It's really difficult. It's not easy. We wouldn't be talking about it if it was. It's not culturally attractive either. But Jesus leads us by example in this story. If we continue reading, it's the last verse, verse 27. It says, Then looking into Thomas's eyes, He said, put your finger here in the wounds of my hands. Here, put your hand into my wounded side and see for yourself. Thomas, don't give in to your doubt any longer. Just believe. Thomas was forever changed that day because Jesus was willing to stand before him, to be extremely vulnerable and show him his physical pain and the life that he purchased for him. Have we ever thought this year in 2019 that there are people that are waiting for you to share your life, to be vulnerable with them, even when it's messy? Our life doesn't have to look pretty. In fact, most of our lives are pretty messy. Usually when I meet people, I want to share with them all of my accomplishments, all the highlights, all the things I've done, but that wasn't Jesus' model. It would have made sense for Jesus. Remember, a second time walking into this room, eight days later, and he would have made sense for Jesus to say, hey, Thomas, don't you remember? Don't you remember the people that we healed, the demons we cast out? You were in the middle of a storm about to die and I saved your life. Don't you remember? That wasn't Jesus' model for us. He stands before Thomas very vulnerably and shares life with Thomas, shares his wounds and the life that he purchased. I think people around us are waiting for you, not pastors. Not just. I always read this and thought maybe this is for pastors or influencers or big world. No, people around us throughout the week, it's probably going to be nine to five, are waiting for you to be vulnerable enough to share your story, and your faith, even if it's messy, maybe it's, hey, I don't know, man, my life is, it's really messy. God's breathing on it and I'm, I'm not there anymore, but it's, it still gets messy. That's okay. That was Jesus's model. That's my challenge for us this year. I asked the Lord what he has for us in 2019 at Vintage, and I really feel like the Lord said, Trav, we haven't even scratched the surface for where we're going. I'm going to just completely take people's minds and shift them and change them and make them see things that they've never seen before. If you haven't noticed, Fort Collins isn't getting any smaller. We're growing. The next 10 to 20 years, it could double in population. What a great time to start practicing being vulnerable, sharing life with people, sharing your faith. Yeah, it's messy and he's breathing on me and I, I get to give it away. My challenge is to breathe in the breath of God. Experience it even throughout the week. Spend time with him. But then go give it away. Exhale and share your faith with people. Stand with me. Let's pray.